All right, so last week, uh, Pastor Todd uh, showed us that there, were, there are four common lies uh, that, that most people believe that the enemy tries to keep people uh, broken with or keep them in bondage with. And those four lies were, number one, I must meet certain standards in order to feel good about myself. The second thing was I must be approved and accepted by everybody to feel good. The third one was those who fail are unworthy of love and deserve to be punished. And the fourth lie that he talked about was, I am what I am. I cannot change. I am hopeless. So, so how do we deal with these lies? Just to recap quickly, how do we deal with these, these four common lies that the enemy uh, throws our way? Well, in Hebrews 4, 12 and 13, uh, it says this, For the word of God is alive and powerful. It is sharper than a sharpest two-edged sword. Cutting between soul and spirit, between joint and marrow, it exposes our innermost thoughts and desires. I love how it says that it exposes our innermost thoughts and desires. So the way that, that we uh, deal with lies in our lives is to ask the Lord to expose them. Amen. Lord, expose any lie I'm believing through your word and by your spirit. Lord, what is it that I've been believing all my life that may not be true? So Pastor Todd went into detail about that last week. But by the way, if you, you missed last week, I'm going to encourage you to go on our website or on iTunes and listen to the podcast. Or you can get the DVD and CD and, and listen to that message. It was a powerful message. So we first must ex- ask the Lord to expose any lie. But then we ain't stop there. Once we know the lie, we need to replace it with the truth of the word of God, right? Pastor Todd mentioned this last week and closed with this in John 8, 32. Jesus said, then you will know the truth and the truth will what? Set you free. If you get the Lord to expose the lie, then you replace it with the truth. That will set you free from the lie you've been living and help you to walk in the truth and the identity. Amen? Amen. So today I want to look at another tactic that Satan uses to keep us broken. It's found in Ephesians 6. Uh, 12, and I'm going to read this, this verse in two different translations. It says, For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the powers, against the world forces of this darkness, against the spiritual forces of wickedness in heavenly places. The New Living Translation says it this way, For we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against unseen uh, rulers and authorities of the unseen world. Against mighty powers in this dark place and against evil spirits in the heavenly places. I titled this message today, The Unseen Struggle, based upon this scripture and these two translations. So let's go ahead and, and pray over our time in the word. Heavenly Father, as we just read, we know your word is, is active and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword. Thank you for exposing lies last week and that you're continuing to expose lies and bring truth and healing and wholeness to our lives. Father, not I pray today. Day in the name of Jesus, that you would help me as I present your word, Father, clearly and accurately, Father. We we ask you, Holy Spirit, to take over, to rule and reign in this place. So, Lord, I take authority in the name of Jesus over every distracting spirit, over all confusion right now. In Jesus' name, uh, we declare every plan of the enemy is canceled in here today in the mighty name of Jesus, Lord. We ask, have your way, uh, do what you want to do, Lord. Transform us and help us, Lord God, to continue to live free lives in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. In this verse of scripture I just read, the apostle Paul is describing various levels of demonic attacks that can occur in our life. 
You know, when it comes to the subject of, of demons or evil spirits, uh, there's been plenty of controversy, even inside of, of, of the church, even inside of the body of Christ. You know, C.S. Lewis warned, we must not focus too much on the role of evil or focus too little on the role of evil. And I believe one of the reasons he says that, because he knew what was going on back then is still going on today, that there's usually two extremes when it comes to this topic. Either there's, there's one extreme where people believe that there's no such thing as demons or, 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 or the devil or any of this kind of stuff. That's one extreme. But we see clearly all through the Bible. I don't have time today to look at all the scriptures, but I want to encourage you, if you maybe lean towards that side, read through the four Gospels and through the book of Acts. All through the Gospels and through the book of Acts, Jesus, Paul, and the disciples encountered and dealt with demons. Amen? So you can, you can look through the Word of God and, and see it. They encountered and they dealt with demons. So, so we know that, that, that the devil and his, and his demons are real. It's biblical. It's a, it's a biblical-based teaching. So that's one, that, that's one extreme is that it doesn't exist. They don't exist. That's, that's you know, non-existent. Then there's the other extreme. The other extreme is some Christians that believe there's demons, but they look for a demon behind every bush. Like if you're going down Johnson Street and you run over a nail and you get a flat tire, and you're like, oh, man, that was the devil. No, that was a nail in the street. And you got a pop tire. You know, so not everything, the tires bust, belts break on your car, things happen that are not always demonic. So that's, that's another extreme. So that's, a, that's an unhealthy extreme, too. I, I love what, what Peter Wagner said. I think he sums it up the best. He says, I don't go looking for a demon behind every bush. But there's, if there's a demon in my bush, I want to know how to get him out. Amen? I think that, that that's a good, in a nutshell, a healthy balance there. So we're going to talk a little bit about this today. And in, in, in flowing with the, the message, uh, the, I'm sorry, the series we've been going with, I want to talk about this. I want to talk about how, you know, traumatic experiences not only cause deep pain and produce lies, as we talked about the last two weeks, they also can open the door to demonic influences in our life. Now, when I say a demonic influence, uh, what do I mean by that? Demonic influence uh, influences means this. It's to be oppressed, harassed, or affected by a demonic spirit. It feeds upon one's area of weakness, <clears throat> excuse me, whether that is an emotional wounding, a painful memory, past our present sin. So the, the things that we talked about in week one about how we get broken from, from uh, you know, emotional uh, woundings and, and deep pain and trauma and abuse as a kid, that's one way. And then the lies we believe, the enemy comes in and either plants lies or feeds on lies that someone tells us. And, then, and, and, and so we, it, this all builds up to, and then also past and present sin is how the enemy comes in and tries to mess with people. You know, if someone is struggling, demons may not always be the cause, but they add to the mess. Amen? They might not always be the cause, but they add to the mess. I heard somebody put it this way. They said, you know what? Our, all our junk in our life, like our, our, our wounds, our pain, our, our um, brokenness, you know, abuse, you know, just things that, accidents, traumatic accidents, they're like garbage. And demons are like rats. And they feed on garbage. So again, the healthy balance is we don't want to become rat killers. We want to become garbage eliminators. Amen? Because as you eliminate the garbage, the rats will begin to go. Amen? So that's a healthy balance right there. First Peter 5.8 says this. Stay alert. Watch out. 
For your great enemy, the devil, he prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. As I begin to think about that, I begin to think about all the animal shows, the National Geographic shows that I've watched. And, and one of a, a lion's tactic is that they try to pick off the, the weak, the wounded, or the sick animal, right? If you've ever watched those, maybe an animal had an injury from battling or maybe a sick animal, that's the one that the lions will go after. And, and that's why the Bible doesn't say the devil is a lion. said he's like a lion. And that's one of his tactics as well. When he sees, you know, uh, pain in our life, he sees junk in our life, then, then, then he feels like it's, it's easy picking, so to speak. Are y'all tracking with me? All right, let's look at maybe just a few examples of, uh, not maybe, let's look at a few examples of what uh, the enemy feeds on in our lives. I'm going to just give you a few of them. Obviously, there's so many examples. Be exhaustive, you know, to try to talk about all that today. But I just thought about a few that I felt like I needed to share. For example, if you or someone you know is maybe some people have gotten into like a, a, a terrible car accident or maybe a four-wheeler accident or something like that, and, and it was a very traumatic experience, maybe like a near-death experience in, in a vehicle accident, you know, what happens is some people get deathly afraid and don't want to ride in the car. Or when they do ride in the car, they're, they're really, really scared. You know, uh, the case might be someone might get violently attacked or abused uh, like at night, maybe walking home or, or maybe in their house. Someone broke into their house and maybe attacked them or something. Or as a little kid, maybe you got someone scared you at night. And what happens is after that, you get deathly afraid of the dark and you don't want to you don't want to even sleep without the light on. You don't you don't like being alone in a dark place. You know, both of these, because two separate incidents happen, you know, fear comes into their life and becomes to grip them. And, and as we see this, the Bible calls this a spirit of fear. This is, this is a, 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 a very common in our day and age. It's not something uh, that I made up. Matter of fact, when we were talking about this message before he left, Pastor Todd asked me to hit on this specifically because he said, you know, this is very common. We know that, right? You can see all through, you know, your, maybe your own personal life and, and, and other people. I, I thought about a more recent example. After what happened at the Grand I know I heard it in my own household with my children. I've heard many people, you might have said it, and you might have heard somebody say, man, it makes me never want to go to a movie again, right? Did you hear that right after it happened? What is that? The enemy uses fear to come in right away and tries to capitalize on a traumatic event that happened in our city. Once again, I'm not making this up. 2 Timothy 1.7 says this, For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and of a sound mind. We see in this scripture that this is a real spirit, but also that it doesn't come from God. Amen? And this is one of the ways that the enemy uses to, to attack us, to influence us, to harass us, to bring fear in our lives. We talked about last week how he uses lies, but then he comes and harasses us in all kind of different ways. You know, I talked about earlier um, how uh, we can be oppressed, harassed, or affected by demonic spirits because of past or present sin. Not only is it from painful memories or traumatic experiences or, or, or whatnot, it can be from past and present sin. Look at what James said in James chapter 3. Beginning in verse 14, he says, but if you are bitterly jealous and there is selfish ambition in your heart, don't cover up the truth with boasting and lying. For jealousy and selfishness are not God's kind of wisdom. Such things are unspiritual, earthly and demonic. For wherever there is jealousy and selfish ambition, they, there you will find disorder and every kind 
of evil. Did you catch that? In these verses of scriptures, Paul, um, James mentions jealousy, selfish ambition, boasting, and lying. Aren't these all classified as sins in the Bible? Right? These are all four sins that, that, that James mentions. And he says, you know what? When, anytime you have these sins operating in your life, you will find every kind of evil. He even calls some of them specifically, he says, they are demonic. So whether it be an, a, a somewhat inward sin like these, selfishness, jealousy, pride, boasting is, is pride, that can be very outward. We got to be careful. Whenever we begin to operate or willfully choose to, to sin in these areas, like I said earlier, you're opening to the door to, for demonic activity in your life. And so we got to be careful of this. You know, another way of... Um, of, uh, well, let me stop right there. Let me, let me, let me go back and, 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 and say this. I, I don't want to say this and then it, it, people get fearful like, oh, every little thing, if I sin, will, uh, uh, you know, the devil come try to mess with me. No. The Bible makes it clear, and I'm going to get to that. If we, if we repent of our sins, God will forgive us of our sin. I'm talking about habitual sin. Are y'all following me? I'm talking about not just, oh, man, I messed up today, I stumbled, so they're going to have, you know, all this, these, this evil trying to harass me. That's not what I'm talking about. I just want to be clear. I, just, I felt like I needed to go back and, and just preface this, is that, you know, it's habitual sin. It's like you know there's sin in your life. You're doing something over and over and over again. You know it's wrong, but you choose to do it anyway. Are you all tracking with me? I just want to be clear. I don't want to move on if we're not clear. I, I want to I make it very clear. Like the next thing I'm talk, about to talk about when it comes to sin. And I just, a few things I want to hit on. One of them is sexual sin. You know, sexual sin, whether it be physical or visual, opens up the door to the enemy. Now, we know plainly what the Bible says about this, about any, any sexual activity before marriage is a sin. It's immorality. And you might think just because you're not, you're not doing anything physical, but just, you know, looking at something on your phone or, or, or your iPad or computer or TV, well, it's not really sin. Brother, sister, it's sin. So there, the, pornography is an epidemic in our country right now, even in the church. And I just want to warn you, that will open up demonic influences in your life. That is one thing that, that, that I've seen. I've seen people reel with it. I've seen people hurt, destroy their lives, their minds, their families. This is another way. So this is an example of how the enemy can do this. Another one is drug and alcohol abuse. And I'll use this one as the last one. Drug and alcohol abuse can open up, you know, yourself and the enemy will feed on that, that abuse uh, and that, that kind of use uh, to mess with you. Let me give you an example. Have you, are, are you ever known anyone that, that was an alcoholic, for example, and they get, when they get super drunk, you say to yourself, if you heard people say, man, when he gets drunk, he's like a totally different person. Ever heard that or seen that? Let me tell you, they're a totally different person and it's not only because the alcohol is at play. It's because the enemy is coming in and messing with them in that time. I know that from personal experience, from getting drunk and also from drug use. I remember one night uh, I, I, was, I had taken a drug before I got saved years ago in high school. And I had got sick that night after I was high on this drug. So I asked my buddy to bring me back to his house so I can go to sleep. He's like, man, I'm, I'm, I can't go to sleep. I can't let my mom see me like this. I'm going to drop you off. I'm out of here. So he dropped me off at the house. And so I began to try to go to sleep. But because of the drug I was on, I couldn't. And, and, and not long after, as I'm laying in bed, it sounded like somebody was in the room grabbing the closet doors, some bifold doors, and shaking them violently. I'd sit up and I was like, man, you know, nobody was in there. So, you know, I, I eventually, hours later, tr you know, tried to go back to sleep and did. And, you know, later when I told my buddies what happened, we all chalked it up as what was known as like a bad trip. Oh, man, you just had a bad trip. 
Well, yeah, I had a bad trip, and I realized when I got saved why I had a bad trip, because there was demons in that room messing with me. They were harassing, influencing, and affecting me, all three of them, right? So you can see how drug and alcohol use can open up the door to the uh, amonogram, to alcohol abuse and drugs and all of this kind of stuff. So these are just some examples of how, once again, experiences and some of these things we didn't do on our own. Once again, if someone, you were abused or, you know, something like that, even though it wasn't our fault, sometimes we hold on to this stuff and there's, there's all this junk inside. And that's what we're talking about. Listen, it, 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 that's life. That thing happens to you, but you don't have to stay that way. That's life doesn't mean we got to stay in the state we're in. That's why we're going through this series. Amen. Are y'all tracking with me? Are we still good? Y'all following me? Okay. All right. So now that we know all this, the most important thing to need to know is how do we get free and stay protected from the wiles of the enemy? Amen. Number one is you must understand the truth about Jesus. You must understand the truth about who Jesus really is. And you might think, well, brother, I know the, the truth about Jesus, and that's great. So let's just go over a couple of them real quick. Number one is that he was victorious on the cross. Colossians 2.14, 15 says this. He canceled the record of the charges against us and took it away by nailing it to the cross. That's the gospel right there. That's good news. We all had charges against us because we sinned. Jesus hung on the cross, and when they nailed it, he nailed the charges against us and erased them. Amen? In this way, though, listen, in this way, he disarmed the spiritual rulers and authority. He shamed them publicly by his victory over them on the cross. Jesus was victorious and still is victorious over the enemy and all his, his little army. Jesus is victorious over them. Amen? We need to know this. Amen? I don't know if y'all really know this. Jesus is victorious. That's good news. Now, if I said the saints were victorious Sunday, some of y'all might holler a little louder. Amen? No? Bad joke? Okay. All right. I holler when the saints win. I'm a saints fan. I'm an LSU fan, you know? So, okay. Bad timing, I guess. Second thing we need to know is that, you know what? Jesus has authority over all. Jesus has authority over all. What do I mean by that? Ephesians 1, 21 through 23 says this. Now, he who is above any other ruler... He who who is, let me start all over. Now, he who is far above any ruler or authority or power or leader or anything else, not only in this world, but also in the world to come. God has put all things under the authority of Christ and has made him head over all things for the benefit of the church. So we need to know that Jesus is victorious and that he has authority over all. Amen. Now, for most of us, we probably know that already. We probably know that or at least somewhat understand that. For some of us, maybe not. You need to not only know it here. I prayed with a lady after the first service, and she's like, she was struggling with, with something. And she's like, I, I do know that, but it's, it's hard for me to believe it. Like she knew it here, but, you know, couldn't get it here. You know, so we pray that the Lord would break that off for us. So a lot of us know this. The second one, I'm not quite convinced that every Christian understands the second one. And it's number two is, you know what, we need to embrace the truth about ourselves. We need to embrace the truth about ourselves. And, and what do I mean by that? Well, we just saw in Ephesians uh, uh, chapter 1, Paul says that he's, he's far above and he has authority over all. But look what Paul says one chapter later in Ephesians 2, 6 and 7. It says, for he raised us from the dead along with Christ, and listen to this, seated us with him in heavenly realms because we are united in Christ Jesus. Did you hear that? 
Christ is seated at the right hand of the Father in heaven. Paul says we're seated with him. Not when we get to heaven right now. In the spiritual realm, come on, Sean understand. Sean's embracing this. In the spiritual realm, we are seated with Christ in heavenly places. What does this mean? It means that by grace, the Lord has allowed us to assume his position of authority. Amen? This means that he's saying, listen, you know, I, because that's the right hand of the Father. The right hand is this symbolic of authority. So it's saying that Jesus has all authority. And then Paul says, we are seated with him. We got to understand this. We're going to talk about prayer in a little bit. Listen, we need to stop praying from our position on earth and start praying from our position in heaven. Amen? We have been given authority. How do I know this more specifically? Because Jesus told us. Luke 10, 19. Look, Jesus said, I have given you authority over all the power of the enemy. So you might know that Jesus was victorious and has all authority, but did you know that you are victorious and you have all authority? You have authority. You are seated with Christ in heavenly places. That's who you are. If you are a born-again believer, you have accepted Christ, you've come into his family as his son, you have the same authority Jesus had when he walked on the earth. And that's why Jesus said, these things I do and even greater you would do because you are my followers because he has given us that authority. Are you tracking with me? I think if you get this right here, this is going to be a game changer for most of y'all. If you're struggling with some demonic harassment or whatnot and been fighting and been battling, this right here, embracing your identity and who you are, embracing the fact that I am seated with Christ in heavenly places. I have the authority you know, if you know this, you should never, ever, ever, ever be afraid of the enemy again. Ever. Because you have authority over him. Amen. So we must know the truth about Jesus and embrace the truth about ourselves. Amen. The third thing as we go into the realm, once we know this and get in this position, the next thing we need to do if we believe that there's this harassment or oppression in our life is we must repent and renounce. We must repent and renounce. We must repent of any sin in our lives and renounce maybe any, any lies or curses that somebody has spoken over us, as Pastor Todd talked about last week. You know, there was a guy in the book of Acts. His name was Simon. And he was a magician. And he was doing all kind of, you know, uh, supernatural stuff because he was a magician. But then the Bible tells us that he turned to the Lord and started following the Lord. But he still had, he was still caught up in, uh, in, in a lot of this, this, you know, witchcraft and whatnot. And as he saw the disciples beginning to lay hands on people and they were receiving the Holy Spirit, Simon asked, hey, man, can I, let, let, let me give you some money. Can I buy this gift from you? And, and, and uh, the disciples rebuked him and said, no, you can't buy the, 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 the gift of God. And because of this, this is what he went on to say. Acts 8, 22, 23 says, repent of your wickedness and pray to the Lord. Perhaps the Lord will forgive your evil thoughts. Listen to this. For I can see that you are full of bitter jealousy and are held captive by sin. So as he was held captive by sin, what's the first thing he told him to do? Was to repent. He said, repent of your wickedness. If, if you feel like you've been held captive, you've been oppressed in, in, in an area in life, the first and foremost thing you must do is you need to repent. You need to repent. 1 John 1, 9, we, we know this. This is comforting. But if we confess our sins to him, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all wickedness. You know, we're going we're gonna to pray in a little bit. 
And we, we're going to ask the Lord, we're going to repent and, and renounce things off our lives. But listen, he is faithful and just. See, confession is, is, is one part of repentance. We confess and tell the Lord we've sinned. He already knows it. But we're, when, you know, when you confess and you repent, what you're doing is you're lining up with what the Lord already says about sin. That's what confession is. It's like if someone breaks the law and they get, they get uh, uh, taken into interrogation room. Well, we know in the books that law, like robbing a bank, is, is, is against the law, right? And if, but if, if a guy says, you know, I didn't do it, I didn't do it. Well, when he comes in and he confesses to it, he's lining up saying, okay, I did it, I broke the law. So that's what confession is. It lines up with, with God saying, okay, I know I've sinned. So you confess, but then you repent. That means to turn away. Really, the word literally means to rethink. It says that he's faithful and just. Can you go ahead and put that scripture back up there, Nick? It says he is faithful and just, 1 John 1, to forgive us our sins and cleanse us of all unrighteousness or wickedness, this translation says. You know, we often talk about the justice of God when we're talking about judgment. Well, he's a right, you know, he's a merciful God, but he's a just God, and that's true. But you know what? He's a just God in a good way, too. He's so just that if we confess, he has to do it. Well, Brandon, what do you mean? God, ain't ha- he don't have to do nothing that he want to do. No, he has to because it lines up with his word. Amen? Because he says, you know what? If you repent, if you confess, then I'll forgive you. So listen, that's the beginning. It wipes our slate clean. The book of Acts talks about repent so times of refreshing can come. You know, if you've been in bondage, if you've been in oppression, if you've been in a lot of hurt and wound and pain, you know what? It, when the, the Lord's power comes upon you and begins to heal you and break things off your life, it's refreshing. Amen? Isn't it? Isn't it refreshing to begin to feel the presence of God upon your life? So that's the third thing. We need to repent and renounce uh, anything in our lives. And then the fourth and final thing we need to do is obviously there has to be some, some more action. And how do we do all of this, how, the, the repent and renounce? It's we must engage the enemy through prayer. We must engage the enemy through prayer. In Ephesians chapter 6, Paul gives us a threefold strategy to engage the enemy. First, he, we are instructed to pull on the full armor of God. Ephesians 6, 11 says this, Put on the full armor of God that you may be able to stand firm against the schemes of the devil. You know, we, we, we talked about this in more detail uh, in our Born for Battle uh, uh, series, so we're going to go through this quickly. And while I'm on that, I want to encourage you on this topic. Because this is obviously only one message on this along the lines that we've been dealing with. I want to encourage you, if you, you wasn't here or if you were, to, to get Pastor Todd's series, Born for Battle. It was a whole series on spiritual warfare. Myself and Pastor Kelly, we, we did some teachings along those lines on Wednesday nights as well. I encourage you to get that series. Also, what Pastor Todd mentioned last week, the book, He Teaches My Hands to War by Pastor Larry Stocksdale, who was here about a month or so ago. I want to encourage you. Phenomenal book on warfare, talking about the armor of God and everything. And so when, you, when you're going through this, it's going to help you. The, the more you study and the more you learn, the, the better equipped you'll be. Amen? Just like any, any soldier, the more weapons you have, the better off you are, right? Okay, so we talked about the armor of God in, in the Born for Barry series, so I'm going to go through these quickly. Ephesians 6, uh, 13 says this, Therefore put on every piece of God's armor so that you will be able to resist the enemy in time of evil. <clears throat> then after the battle, you will be still standing firm. Let me just stop right there. That's good news right there. He tells us we're going to go through battles, but if you put on the armor of God when the battle's over, you're still going to be standing. It's going to be the enemy that's going to be on the ground. That's encouraging right there. Stand your ground, putting on the belt of truth and the armor of God or the blessed plate of righteousness. For shoes, put on the peace that comes from the good news so that you will be fully prepared. In addition to all these, hold up the shield of faith 
to stop the fiery arrows of the enemy, of the devil. Put on salvation as your helmet and take the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Listen, we must pray these things on every day. We must pray these on. Well, what do I mean by that? Well, let's go through them. The belt of truth. When, when you pray on the belt of truth, it's a declaration <clears throat> that God's Word alone is truth and all else is based on the lie of the enemy. So again, from last week, the lies of the enemy, when you're putting on the, the belt of truth, you're saying, you know what? Listen, anything you hear up here, anything someone speaks to you, whether it be a parent uh, or a pastor, if it does not line up with the word of God, then it's a lie. I'm going to just step out there and say that. I felt a little pressure when I said that at the first service. But it's true. Every time we preach, we'll, I'll give you my notes. You can, you can talk to me after. If it doesn't line up with the word of God, it's a lie, Right? So people even hear things from people in ministry or people in authority, their parents, and they believe it. But you see, the belt of truth declares, you know what, anything else outside of God's word is a lie. Amen? So we must pray on the belt of truth, the breastplate of righteousness. This is a declaration of our identity standing before God through Christ. Remember, we are the righteousness of God in Christ. It means we are in right standing with God because of what Jesus did on the cross, right? Not because of what we did but because of what he did. I, you know, I read something this week that said, you know what? If you throw your shame on Jesus, he will throw his honor on you. That's good stuff right there. We need to realize that, you know what? We're shameful for things we've done, but Jesus wants us to throw his shame on him, and he'll throw his honor on us because we're in right standing with him through the Father. Amen? The shoes of the gospel of peace. This is a readiness to embrace and communicate reconciliation through the blood of Christ. The shield of faith. This is a declaration of trust in God regardless of the circumstances. You may have been sitting here the last two weeks and thinking, well, you know what, Brandon, this is great stuff. And I feel like God's doing some work in my life. But, but it's like I still feel like there's some stuff in there. I feel, still feel like there's some, you know, I'm battling with some things. Well, listen, it doesn't happen overnight. Sometimes God miraculously breaks things off of us. Other times it's a process. But guess what? The shield of faith says, Lord, I'm going to trust you in the process. I'm going to trust you. I have faith that you're working in and through my life, and I'm going to trust you in the process no matter what the circumstances are. The helmet of salvation. This is a symbol of victory and hope that fills our mind, again, instead of the enemy's lies. Instead of the lies, you have the shield, I mean, the helmet of salvation, you know, on your mind. And when we're looking at it and engaging the enemy, I read something that was interesting about, uh, about helmets, warrior helmets in biblical times. What they had on their helmets, they often had these little symbols. And what these symbols were on their helmets were, uh, uh markings of, of, um, of army, enemy armies that they had to so when they would go into battle with this helmet on, it would show the enemy, listen, this is people I've defeated already. I'm not a green sh soldier. I ain't no punk. In other words, let's get after it. Amen? So that's what Paul's saying when he says to put on the helmet of salvation. It's to say, hey, look, you know what? Even if you feel like you're not victorious, you remember where we started? He won the victory on the cross. If you have any symbol on your helmet, it should be the cross. Amen? Because that's where the, the greatest victory took place. So put on the helmet of salvation to guard our minds, to give us hope, and to show the enemy you are victorious. And then, obviously, the last one is our only offensive weapon named here, which is the sword of the Spirit. God's living word that specifically addresses the harassment and deception of Satan. This is seen uh, best in Luke chapter 4. When Jesus is being tempted in the wilderness, many of us know the story. Satan comes against Jesus, tempts him. And three different times when Satan tempted him, Jesus said, it is written, it is written, 
it is written. And he quoted a scripture from the word of God to combat the enemy. And the Bible says that the devil left him. And it said, till another opportune time. You know what? The fight wasn't over, but he had won that battle because of the word of God. Amen? So that's what we need to do first. Pray on the full armor of God every day. Second, Paul says this in Ephesians 6, 18. Pray in the spirit at all times and on every occasion. Now, what this is, this means be spirit-led in your prayers. Pray spirit-led. Be spirit, have spirit-led prayers. Now, it, it does mean praying in tongues. It's not exclusive to just praying in tongues, but, but it's be led by the Holy Ghost when you pray. It might be the, the Spirit's leading you to just pray in tongues in your prayer time one day, or maybe to pray about a specific area, like last week and today as, as we pray in a minute, we're going to ask God to show us specific areas that are in our lives that need to be dealt with. Well, you know what? God might lead you a certain day to pray about something specifically. It might be that the Lord's leading you to praise. You know that praise is a prayer? Praise and worship is a form of prayer. Amen. You know, this morning in my prayer time, you know, I was praying and I felt like most of my prayer time, I just kept feeling led back to praise. I had some praise music on. I was praying. I'd pray in the spirit, but I kept going back to praise. And every time I praise, I just sensed the presence of God in a greater way. And I started praying, praying more specifically for the service and y'all and the worship team and all of that. But I just felt led for prayer, you know, to praise that spirit led prayer. Amen. And the good thing about praying in tongues is that when you don't know how to pray, I find most of the time when I start out praying in tongues, then the Lord will use that to Holy Spirit will show me where I need to pray from there. Amen. So pray in the spirit always and on every occasion. Be led as you pray. And then the third thing that Paul says is to stay alert. Stay alert. Ephesians 6.18 says, stay alert and be persistent in your prayers for all believers everywhere. So just as I said about praying, he says, stay alert and be persistent. You remember First Peter, Peter said the same thing when he says about the, the roaring lion, stay alert because your enemy prowls around like a, a, a roaring lion. We need discernment, brothers and sisters. We need to pray that the Lord gives us discernment of what's going on in our life of what's really happening on the inside. Amen. Again, you know, if you, if something happens to your car, just staying with that, you know, you got to get discernment, not like, man, my belt popped. This is the devil. Well, you might want to discern that they had cracks in the belt and it was just time to change it. Right. But there's other times where I find me and my wife, when we're, we might be, you know, arguing or there's some tension between us. And then I recognize like, wait, hold up. Either we're about to go minister somewhere at church or somewhere else, or we just come off. I find a lot of times is when we would come off of like, say, uh, you know, a, a, an encounter retreat or, or preaching or, or what it might be. I notice that we're, we were tired and we may be drained or whatever. And when we started kind of bickering and arguing with each other, and then I, I, I noticed, wait, hold on, time out. This is the enemy. This is demonic. This is the enemy trying to bring a wedge between me and my wife. And I'm like, no, my wife is not my enemy. Listen, listen to me, people. People are not your enemy. People are not your enemy. Pastor Larry's dad, Pastor Larry was here. His dad, you might have heard me say this before. Excuse me if you have, but this is so profound. Pastor Larry's dad was in ministry for 50 years, and he asked his dad. His dad's like 90 years old now. He asked his dad, he said, Dad, what's the one thing out of all the years, the 50-some years, starting a church, being in ministry, what's the one thing you learned out of all that stuff? And that's what his dad told him. He said, Larry, people are not your enemy. That's the one thing that a wise man of God said. And we got to realize that. Have discernment. Listen, you know, I know people have personalities and come against you. But listen, don't take it personal. 
Realize, have discernment. Somebody said this, and I just read this. We're fighting against principalities, not personalities. Amen? Come on, you might want to write that down. We're fighting against principalities, not personalities. Have discernment of what's going on. Oh, well, Johnny just don't like me. He wants my job. Well, maybe. But you know what? Ask yourself what's really going on. Ask the Lord what's really going on. We need to stay alert and have discernment. Amen? Listen, the enemy is crafty. He works hard to deceive believers. We must learn to recognize his destructive strategies, particularly when we are susceptible, most susceptible to falling. Amen? Why don't you go ahead and stand up with me as we close? <clears throat> Thank you, Lord. Y'all still good out there? I know, I know this, this goes deeper than some people may be used to, but this is needed. This is part of, 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 of where we're going. This is specifically what Pastor Todd asked me to minister on today. So let's take some time in prayer. Whatever head bowed and every eye closed. Just as he has the last two weeks, I'm going to do the same thing again because he instructed me to do this. If you feel like in your life, even as I've been talking, it might have been the first thing I hit on, the fear thing. That, that, that it, you get gripped with fear very easily. Or you can't, oh, it's been years and you can't seem to shake fear. Just for an example, you know, that can be some, some harassment, you know, some affliction in your life, some, uh, 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 some unclean spirits that are, that are trying to mess with you. God doesn't want to live, you to live that way. You're his precious child. He sent his son to die for you. He wants you to be free of that. There, it might be not that. It might just be something that you just feel like you can't break free of. And as we've been talking, maybe last week or the week before when Pastor Todd talked about deep hurts and, and, and that need healing, it might be tied to that. It might be tied to a lie. Because you know what? The enemy might have not planted a lie in your head. It might have been a person that planted a lie. But because your parents, a teacher, or even you know, somebody in authority planted a lie, the enemy's maybe working on that. So whatever head bowed, every eye closed. Holy Spirit, I just ask. Come on, ask the Lord to show you right now. What's the area of my life, Lord, that I need to be free from? That I've been trying to do on my own. And maybe before today, you didn't recognize it as a demonic attack. But you know what? It very well could be. And the Lord wants to set you free. If that's you today, I want you to come down to the altar. And we're going to pray corporately together. Just as Pastor Todd said, you know what? Just come down here. Nobody's going to judge you. Nobody's going to think less of you. We had plenty of people down here at the altar at the first service. Because I know that there's people that deal with bondage. That deal with, with insecurity. That deal with things that like fear. I know in a room this size, there are people that deal with fear. We can, we can go off of right there. Thank you, brother. Come on down. I know there's more. Come on, let's pray. We, we're going to have a big prayer meeting. It's like a big living room in here with family that we're going to pray together. Come on down as people are coming down. Thank you, Jesus. The Lord wants to set you free today. Whom the Son sets free is free indeed. He died for us to be free. We have authority. Come on, all those walking down, I'm going to begin to speak that over you right now. You have authority. You are seated in heavenly places with Christ Jesus. Amen. Anybody else? Anybody else want to come down here? We're going to pray corporately. Come down here. We want to pray. We want to pray that the enemy's power is broken off of our lives once and for all. As God's beginning to heal, to expose lies, he's setting free too. You, you ladies right here, can y'all just kind of spread out? Let some others come up, move on over right here. Yeah, y'all go ahead, brother. Just go on over. Amen. Amen. Anybody else? Come on, make your way down. Don't be embarrassed. Don't be bashful. Don't, don't allow the enemy to steal what the Lord wants to do here today. Amen? Okay, as they make their way down, this is what we're going to do. We're going to pray. 
as I said, and, and, and the third thing that we talked about is that we need to repent of any sin and then renounce any lies and, and maybe generational curses or whatever that have been spoken over our lives. So come on, want, we're going to pray together. I want all of us to pray. Let's pray together. Say, Lord Jesus, I ask that you would forgive me of my sin. I, I ask that you would uh, cleanse me of my sin. Now I want you to take a minute and, and any specific sin in your life right now that you, you feel that you know that pops in your head that the Lord shows you, take a minute and, and speak out that specific sin right now. Lord, forgive me of the sin of blank, whatever that sin is. Come on, y'all pray. Don't, don't, y'all, y'all, everybody, let's, let's pray. Let's engage right now. This is engaging in prayer as we talked about. Thank you, Jesus. Come on, let's ask the Lord. Lord, I thank you. Come on, let's pray together. Lord Jesus, I thank you for forgiving me of these sins and for cleansing me of all wickedness. In Jesus' name, I thank you for dying for me. I thank you, Lord, for wiping my slate clean today. In Jesus' name, I break the hole of the enemy off of my life. In Jesus' name, no longer will he have ties or authority in my life. In Jesus' name. I close every door to the enemy right now in Jesus' name. Now, come on, let's let's renounce any lies or maybe something spoken over us. Come on, just pray this prayer. Say, Lord Jesus, I renounce every lie and every curse spoken over my life. I break every generational curse off of my life and off of my family in the name of Jesus. I am not cursed. I am blessed in Jesus' name. Jesus has given me authority. And I am seated in heavenly places with Christ in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. While those are still up here, I want to ask one more thing. As I, as I read that scripture, he said he nailed to the cross the charges against us. He nailed them to the cross. We had sin in our lives, and he forgave us. Maybe you've never received forgiveness and salvation. And those of that are up here, maybe some up here, and you say, you know what? You can't pray that prayer of being seated if you're not in the family of God. If you say, Brandon, I don't even know if I'm saved, if I'm right with God. If I need to be forgiven. I feel like there's charges of sin against me. I need to be released. I need Jesus in my life. If that's you, say, I need to accept Jesus. Just slip your hand up before we dismiss. Slip your hand up. Let me see your hand. I need to get right. I see your hands. Hands going up back here. Anybody else? I need to get saved. I need to be a Christian. I need to be right with God. Anybody else? See hands going up. Anybody else? Amen. Hey, do me a favor. Slip down out of your seat. Come come down here with these right here. We want to pray for you. We want to pray for you right here. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Come on. We're going to. Amen. 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 Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Amen. For those of y'all that just raised your hand to accept Christ. I want y'all to to stay up here as we dismiss. I want you to stay up here. We want to get with y'all and pray with y'all, and we have a gift for y'all. And also, anybody else that came up here, if you if you feel like you know what, even though we pray corporately, I feel like you know I want somebody to pray with me. I have some specific stuff going on. I would like somebody to come in agreement and pray with me. You can also hang back if you want as I dismiss everybody. So let's close in prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you. We thank you, Lord, for for the revelation of the truth of the Word of God. That, Lord God, we believe where we started, that your word is powerful 
that it's active and that today that more more things got exposed the enemy has been exposed and that you are cutting things off our life by the sword of the word of God and that Lord you said who the son sets free is free indeed I thank you for freeing these and I pray that they would stay free all the days of their lives in Jesus name we pray and everybody said amen amen and amen